Hello and welcome to the AMCP podcast series, Listen Up, as we take a deep dive into the challenges, trends, and opportunities in managed care pharmacy. Follow the show's social hashtag at AMCP Listen Up, and to learn more about AMCP, visit amcp.org. I'm your host, Fred Goldstein. Today we explore the Pre-Approval Information Exchange, or PI Act, H.R. 9297, with Susan Cantrell, the CEO of AMCP. Welcome, Susan. Thank you for having me, Fred. It's really a pleasure. Fantastic area to discuss. Look forward to uh, seeing how this impacts all of us as we launch 2023. So let's talk about the PI Act. What is the issue that the PI Act is trying to address? So the PI Act uh, is all about pre-approval information exchange between manufacturers and payers. Um, that is about products in advance of their approval by the FDA. It's an issue that we've been working on for about six years now, and it was brought to us by our members as a need. Basically, FDA regulations historically prevented manufacturers from proactively sharing information about products in advance of their approval. And we now know in today's environment where uh, more and more innovation is coming to market, sometimes through expedited approval pathways like breakthrough therapies or accelerated approval, that products come to market with less information sometimes available. And it's critical in many cases, especially when we're dealing with life-changing or life-saving therapies, that payers be able to quickly evaluate those products to determine coverage, reimbursement, formulary placement, and all those important elements related to payment. So what we're trying to do is get our members, managed care pharmacy professionals, the information that they need that often they can only obtain from manufacturers in advance of the product approval so that the approval pathway and the approval for, pay for payment pathway can happen um, simultaneously as opposed to um, like passing a baton in a relay, if you will. And it, it may help a little bit if you could discuss how health plans or PBMs look at these and review them uh, in order to approve them. Sure. And I appreciate that question. I'm not sure that it's well understood, especially outside of managed care circles. And so uh, our members um, and uh, P&T committees that they work with and others really dig into all of the evidence and information surrounding a product, clinical as well as economic evidence, um, to look at what are the benefits, what does the uh, safety profile look like for a particular product, how effective is it compared to other uh, therapies or standard of care. Um, so there is a really, really thorough evaluation of a product before um, decision-making takes place. I know that most of your audience will likely be familiar with something called the AMCP format for formulary submissions. Um, that's our often called the AMCP dossier. It's been around for about 20 years now. It's become the gold standard of how payers like to obtain information from manufacturers. So everything that's in there is so relevant and important to the payer evaluation as they think about how do we best position this product for the benefit of our patient populations. So from a benefit perspective, it's going to help the plans make more rapid decisions, which ultimately helps the patients? It really is all about patients. What we're trying to do is 
speed up that decision making. And then on the other side of it, make sure um, there's budget available uh, for new therapies as they come to market. If you look at the way the Medicare Part D program works, then plans have to submit cost information bids, if you will, to um, CMS well in advance of the start of the plan year. I think this year it's June 6th or somewhere around there. And so they're locked into what is available once premiums are set. And um, if they're surprised by something that comes out in the middle of the year, which has happened uh, in the past, then there might not be the funds available to support something that could be used in a broad population or, or something that is a very high cost therapy. Um, so not only are we trying to speed up the decision making, we're trying to make sure that plans and pharmacy benefit managers have that information well in advance so that they can plan for the decision-making, value-based contracting, all those other elements that are so critically important today. So it helps the plans work through it. And also, obviously, I would assume because you get that knowledge and have it once it's launched, potentially patients could get access to these products earlier? That is the overall goal, absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. And I know that AMCP really focused on advocating for this bill for a number of years. What was the role that AMCP played and why did you choose to take this on? So we started this work back in 2016, um, a little walk down memory lane here. <laughs> I had just joined AMCP and in March of 2016, we brought together a group of about 40 thought leaders from various stakeholder groups to talk about an issue that was really important. Not pie at the time, we hadn't even brought that up, but um, it, it was something called FADAMA 114, FDA Modernization Act of 1997. It was the bill that reauthorized the FDA User Fee Act. And there was a provision in it that allowed manufacturers to share healthcare economic information with payers. Or I believe the the legislative language was uh, formulary committees and other similar entities. So um, the bill had been passed 19 years prior, and there was no regulatory guidance available. So we were still, you know, not getting what we needed on the managed care side of things. So we brought a group together to say, what do we need to do about this? What help can we give FDA to promulgate some regulatory guidance on this? And in those discussions, the issue of pre-approval information came up. Um, I, I recall it like it was yesterday. One of the members who was participating, worked for a health plan, said, you know, this is really important. We need this economic information, economic models. But what we also need is we need to know about these products before they're approved by FDA well in advance of approval. So what can we do about that? So we convened another group in September of 2016 to talk specifically about the pre-approval discussions. And that's where we coined the term PIE. Um, <laughs> we spent a, a, remarkably a lot of time talking about what is it that's needed? Is it clinical evidence? Um, is it uh, what exactly do we need and when do we need it and what should it look like? And we said we heard loud and clear from the members um, on the payer side and on the pharmaceutical side, we need information. And, and so it doesn't just have to be clinical evidence 
we need information about dosage forms, potential indications, patient populations that it will be used in, all of that. So we decided to use the term information and we called it pre-approval information exchange. And we shortened that to PI because everybody likes PI, right? <laughs> and um, and that put us on the path to, to create um, the, the legislative language that eventually was signed into law in December as part of the omnibus uh, package. So it's been a relatively long journey, but remarkably in the world of federal legislation, it, it's like a millisecond. Uh, it happened rapidly. Um, and uh, so we're very we're very proud of the work that we've done on this. It's really fantastic. And uh, and you can see the benefit it's going to give to uh, both the industry itself and the the payers, as well as the patients, obviously, to get that information out early. And when you think about this, AMCP has obviously convened this group. Who were some of the people that were involved in this? And when you talk about doing something like that? AMCP is a convener. I think it's one of the strengths uh, that we offer as we address new and emerging issues that will impact patients, impact access to medicines, and impact the work that our members do. And so we use this model, Partnership Forum, among others, to really bring together the, the experts and thought leaders who have a stake in the issue. And what we make sure we do is have all voices present. So um, we would have, a, especially at a discussion like this, um, not only uh, managed care pharmacy professionals who might work in health plans or might work for ph pharmacy benefit managers, um, we have healthcare providers, prescribers, we have representatives from the biopharmaceutical industry. They're an important stakeholder as well. And we also have patient representatives. There might be others, but those seem to be the core groups for every partnership forum uh, that we hold. And we carefully vet the participants to make sure that they have the subject matter knowledge that we're looking for on the particular issue. And we found this type of model or this type of convening to be just incredibly important in helping us advance the mission of the organization. Pi is a great example of that. I could give you many more, but uh, Pi, Pi is one of many. Well, that's really fantastic. And I know it's so important you mentioned it. Having patients on that, you know, people who were living with these conditions or diseases, so you can get some real input from that broad spectrum. Patients were a really important part of this effort, too. As we started to uh, talk to members of Congress about the legislation back in late 2016, early 2017, what one of the questions that we heard was, well, what do the patient groups think about this? You know, have you reached out to various patient groups to get input? And um, so we made sure that we did that. And we created a coalition to advance this legislation. And we had a number of patient groups who were in full support of it uh, and who participated in our stakeholder group, our, our coalition. But I also want to call out and um, uh, express our gratitude to the leadership um, of the members of Congress that really drove this forward. Representative Brett Guthrie from Kentucky introduced the first bill in early 2017 and then reintroduced PI in the last session of Congress. 
and he was joined. It, it was completely a bipartisan effort. He was joined by co-sponsor um, uh, Anna Eschew, and you know they really saw the vision that, of what we were trying to achieve here and recognized the importance to patients and really pushed to advance it. And by the time the bill was passed out of the uh, subcommittee or the committee, we had uh, six co-sponsors, three Democrats and three Republicans. So uh, Guthrie and Eshoo led the charge and were able to secure bipartisan support. And I think that's what really made the difference. Really fantastic. Uh, great way to kick off 2023 with this show on PIAC. So I'd like to thank you. Yes, thank you. So many thanks to our guest, Susan Cantrell, the CEO of AMCP, for her insights into the PIAC. And thank you for joining us today. If you like this show, you can find all our episodes at amcp.org slash podcast on our show page at healthcarenowradio.com or on your favorite listening platform by searching Healthcare Now Radio. You can follow our show's social hashtag at AMCP Listen Up. And don't forget to share, like, and follow AMCP Org on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm Fred Goldstein for AMCP. Until next time.